I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And our guest on this week's show is Jim Lee from Slade. During the early 1970s, Slade were one of the country's biggest bands, releasing 14 albums and having six number one singles, and selling over six and a half million records. But what have the band from Wolverhampton Warsaw got to do with Birmingham Music soon? Well, before they were called Slade, they were originally called the in-betweens, and then Ambrose Slade. Between 1965 and 1969, the band were very active in Birmingham, playing gigs at places like the Macadown, uh, Hansworth Plaza, and supporting Birmingham bands such as The Move, Spencer Davis Group, and The Moody Blues. And the band were very much part of Birmingham music scene in the 1960s. And I'm very pleased to welcome onto the show, Jim Lee. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. We went in there with this uh, record producer, uh, Kim Fowley from America. He spotted us playing at Tiles Club. And uh, so in we went and they rolled the tape and then we were walking out again. That was it. That was the result. But unfortunately, there was a chap in uh, around our area who was in a band called uh, the Tennessee Teens who then changed their name to Listen. And the singer was named Robert Plant. And uh, his band, Listen, recorded it as well. And theirs, theirs was way better than ours. You know, it was a real big production. It got brass. And I felt a bit humiliated, to be quite honest. Well, we mentioned at the start on the intro that you were very active in Birmingham in the mid-60s. Yes. Uh, do you remember many of the gigs and the period? Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes we'd headline. We certainly played the Metro twice. Uh, too loud. Always the problem. Uh, everybody played there, but we couldn't play. Too loud. Always too loud. Mm. So we couldn't do those type of places. We never played the Rum Runner. Uh, we played the Macadown, uh, the Swan at Yardley, and, and others, Erdington, Queenshead. Oh, we were resident there. So you've just mentioned Kim Foley. He was responsible for um, getting you onto Columbia, and you recorded four or five songs. Yes. Um, the one that I really liked. They were all B-sides. Was... <laughs> <laughs> 
The one I like is a track called Delighted to See You. Oh, my God. We needed a follow-up, and uh, we had these two guys uh, who were London management, uh, Derek Block and, uh, and another guy. And the song was written by uh, a guy named Pete Dello. Honeybus was the name of the band. God, my memory's working well today. And it was a great track. And this guy, Pete Dello, when we uh, were looking for, for uh, material, he sent this track in, this Delighted to See You. So they gave us the song, but I rearranged it and made it so it kicked. Um, and so I arranged it like that. And uh, we went into Abbey Road. We knew two of the Beatles were in there. And I remember the Beatles, all I could hear coming out of their studio was... I didn't know they were making... I thought they were just on drugs, you know, and, and, and I thought they'd really blown their career here. But what they were doing was making uh, Strawberry Fields. It all became clear yeah. when I heard the track. And, uh, and I went to the loo, we'd set the gear up, and uh, we'd played it through. And, uh, well, I think it's a brilliant track. Obviously, you're not a big fan of that track, Jim. No, that's, that's Freddie and the Dreamers. It's not us at all. Well, we're going to move on now to uh, signing to Fontana and Ambrose Slade. Now, I like Ambrose Slade, and I've got the album Beginnings, and I think it's a fantastic album. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you did a cover version on that album, Knocking Nails Into My House. It's all cover versions apart from a couple of tracks. Uh, I had a little obsession, in fact, in fact, more than a little obsession, with with a band that was from Birmingham area called the Idol Race, and uh, I used to go and see them with my wife, and uh, we did play together at uh, at the Macadown Pub, and uh, we were doing this track from their uh, birthday party album uh, called uh, "Knocking Nails Into My House," and uh, you know they were all saying the rest of the band, we can't play that because we're on with the band. I said, no, definitely we've got to play it because we're playing with the band. You know, want to know what they think of it, you know. We, uh, the Idol Race uh, went on first, and, and, of course, they were fantastic, you know, and I loved watching them. So then we went on and came the big moment. Are we going to take this? Are we going to do it? Yeah, do it, you know. So we did it. And then uh, after we'd been on, Jeff came into the dressing room and asked if we'd play it, because it was, we used to do two sets in those days. And Jeff said, excuse me, mate, will you play Knock It Into My Nails Into My Ass again? Because I've never heard anybody play one of my songs. And I, so I said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that, you know. And I was honoured to play it. And Jeff sat down the front and sat there until we played it. Then he buggered off. <laughs> And we're pleased we've got Roger with us. Roger Spencer from the Idol Race. How are you? Hello, Jim. How are you doing? I'm fine, mate. Good to see you, mate. I haven't seen you for a long time. That was tremendous. I mean, the energy of the band was amazing. I mean, uh, I remember playing with them, particularly. You mentioned the uh, Macadan. I just thought, God, this band's amazing. They really, they really were... Uh, uh, very tight, very very together, tremendous, great, and it was a great version. Yeah. Very well recorded, very well played. Absolutely, I think it's a fantastic track. Yeah, it is. I think it's a fantastic album. Oh, well. Have you thought of going to the doctors? <laughs> <laughs> Jim, be more positive, please. <laughs> good stuff, man. Good stuff. No, no, it's all right. It's yeah. of its time. That's all. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Absolutely, I agree. You know, you can look back and knock stuff, but you you, you got to start somewhere, haven't you? You know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, you, 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 that was a good start yeah. to what a great career you had. You know. Yeah. 
uh, Chaz, uh, our manager, who took us over when we became Ambrose Lane, and we were after material. We, we weren't really writing our own stuff then. That that was done, as, as you see, was done as Genesis as a backing track. And he said, put some vocals on top of that. So I wrote that on top. Uh, Don and I, Don did the, the lyrics and I did the, the melody. And, um, you know, it uh, it got radio play, actually. Know Who You Are did. It, it got our nose through the door. We did uh, one of those programs on TV late at night, music programs with Tommy Vance. Tommy Vance got on our side. So it was, you know, like the Idol Race actually had John Peel on their side. With that record, it began to open the radio world up for us. There was an image change as well. Oh, yes. Never did we go. <laughs> We're talking about that, are we? <laughs> People didn't have phones. That wasn't normal. You went to the phone box if you wanted to make a, a phone call. Chaz said, one of you has got to have a phone. The, the office will pay for it. And it was me. And he rang me up and said, um, I've got this idea. There's these things called the Bother Boys who are out uh, on the streets these days and they're getting press. He said, well, Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix had his hairdo. The Beatles had their hairdos. I, I said, you what? <laughs> you know, we're not going to become skinheads. So anyway, I told the others and I said, no way am I going to do it. And so he rang me up again. He said he wanted us to go to London. And uh, we went down there. Little did we know that the car was waiting outside to take us for our haircuts. But uh, I was dead against it. You know, I said, no way, no way am I. And uh, Nod and Don went along with it. And Dave, Dave was having none of it. But uh, Chaz said, Dave, said, do you want to have a couple of hits or do you want to be a millionaire? Well, Dave, of course, changed his mind immediately. <laughs> the, the word of God, you know. <laughs> and that was it. It was three against one. We all had our hair cut off. And I'll tell you what, when you've had long hair and you have it cut short, it doesn't half hurt. Uh, but that night, Don got mortal drunk. He, and he was sick all over the place. And that's what <laughs> getting your hair cut and becoming a skinhead <laughs> does for you when you don't really want to do it. That was when we started to happen. We were doing live gigs and we were, we were going a real storm everywhere. We got this real rave-up show sorted out. And uh, we'd started to get a smell at Radio uh, 1, as it was in those days. And uh, what and now Radio 2, of course, sounds like the old Radio 1. Uh, we were after a single and uh, Chaz said, look, when you finish off your show, we'd get down and get with it. It's always... A, a massive uh, event and when you go off you always get encores and I think you ought to record that so we went into uh, Studio One at Olympic Studios That they, those studios were used by the Stones, Zeppelin um, the faces were in and out you know we'd be crisscrossing one another but we went into the big room where they do the orchestras and suddenly we felt at home with the recording studio. It was like a gig. So we, we set up the gear and we played Get Down and Get With It as if live. And it was down in two seconds, of course. But the thing we hadn't realised was that over the years we got louder and louder and louder and in the 60s and the 70s there wasn't foldback or earpieces like you have now. And we didn't realise that Nod's voice had completely changed into this raucous scream. 
but it's it sounded sort of very abrasive and uh and and I said to the engineer um can't you make him sound a bit more like uh, Gene Vincent you know that sort of you know that sort of you know that echo on the back uh, the back of it and he said, yeah, and they had to have a tape machine running really fast, and they called it ADT. Apparently, it was invented by John Lennon. And it went around really fast, so Nod's voice was coming round again really quickly. And it gave that old rock and roll sound. And suddenly, Nod's voice sounded acceptable. And then, and this was a big moment, really, because uh, I was writing with Don at the time, and uh, Nod was writing with Dave. Don and I, uh, we, we were coming, coming up with a lot more material in the, than the other two. But obviously, down the phone comes Chaz. Jimmy, we need a, a follow-up, like, you're writing. And I said, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think of something. So, uh, Nod and I used to jam in the dressing room uh, with the violin and the guitar. And um, I got this idea. At this lick, and you know, with the junk, 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 junk behind, and I thought, right. And so I thought I should go and do this with Nod, not with Don. And of course, we got no phone, so I just turned up on his front door, drove over there, and with my violin, my wife's beaten up old acoustic guitar, and uh, I said, Nod, I've come to write a song, and he said, Well, yeah, right, with Don. And I said, well, no, I've got this song because it's like a, a, a Grappelli and, and Django thing. And he said, oh, come in then. So I went in, started the riff, jink, 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 got him to do that, and I was playing the fiddle. And 20 minutes done, and we got our first number one. Uh, we had an old piano at, at home. I buy an old piano, I mean, one that was completely smashed, half smashed. And a lot of the keys were missing, and I used to come home from school and and just and and I came up with ding 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 then and that went into the next bit, and then I sang over the top and I didn't know I was writing then though I was just just a school kid i didn't I was just messing about you know well, we got a couple of questions that we've put out there, and people have come back with a couple of questions that yeah. they want to ask you, and one is from Gabby Cabby, who's a friend of mine. And he says, "Is it true that Slade turned down the chance to represent the u k in the Eurovision Song Contest?" That's not true at all. We were asked, our manager, Chaz, came up with the idea that he asked me, do you fancy writing something for the Eurovision Song Contest? And I said, no. I said, I don't want to get involved in all that stuff. Uh, that was as far as it got. And we got a question from Andy No. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's been a real pleasure to hear all these stories. I mean, I was just uh, a, a baby when you were having all your big number one hits. So the first Slade songs I already knew were the ones and you'll come back in 81 yeah. with uh, Lock Up Your Daughters and yeah, we'll Bring the House Down. Yeah. Mm. So what I was going to ask is, did the kind of different crowd, the new romantic type crowd, then obviously people like Adamant and Duran uh, Duran in the charts, did they welcome you when you were on Top of the Pops with them or were they kind of get off granddad kind of thing? How was their No, they were big fans. Yeah. Same with punk as well. Big fans, massive fans. Same the other way around, you know, when we used to meet uh, McCartney or... Or, you know, people like that, you know, uh, they they were fans. And Paul McCartney said he told me he was a fan. He wanted me to go around his house and write. Well, he said he wanted me to go around his house with a guitar, bring your guitar. Yeah. I wasn't going to go write with Paul McCartney. I didn't think that would be a good idea. I was in Slade and I better stay where I am, you know. 
Do you regret that, though, now? No, not at all. Not at all. It's post-Beatles, nobody's, you know, that's that's too... None of the Beatles could follow it, never mind (laughs) trying to replace, you know, so I'd be in John Lennon's shoes, wouldn't I? I didn't fancy that at all. Fair enough, yeah. Thank you. A big thank you to Jim for joining us on this week's show. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. (laughs) 